What's up? What's up? Have no fear. Carl West is here. Yes, indeed. Carl West is back in the building. It's been over a month since I've been on the air on WVON, bringing you guys the Community Health Focus Hour, brought to you by the University of Chicago Medicine Urban Health Initiative. I'm excited to be back. We are back on the new year, and we are ready to roll. And again, I'm Carl West, CEO of MG Media, and truth be told, I'll actually be here the next two weeks, this week and next week. So I'm doing double duty this month, and um, it's always a good thing, though. Like I say, I enjoy being here. And so, uh, you know, a lot has happened since I have been gone. Unfortunately, uh, this show does not allow me to pretty much go into some stuff that I would like to go in to about what has happened over the last month and a half since I've been away. But I will say this without any doubt that our president, the 45th president is gone. The 46th president, Joe Biden, is in the house. And we have a vice president who is accompanying him through the White House for the next four years, and is Madam Kamala Harris. And so congratulations to the both of them. We look forward to see what they will do in the coming years to make America great again, <laughs> okay? I make America great. Let's take away the again part. Let's make America great. So anyway, we have a great show today, a very informative show. The topic is taking control of asthma on the south side. Let me give you a little read here. Asthma is a respiratory disease. Asthma rates in Chicago youth are higher on the south side than most communities. The Southside Pediatric Asthma Center is a multi-institutional partnership aimed at taking control of asthma. And we are going to discuss asthma and the hard work being done to lower asthma rates on the Southside of Chicago. And I have two great guests. Unfortunately, they chose not to come in and sit with me, but I welcome them anyway as they are on our live line. Let me just say what's up to our two guests. First, there's B. Lewis Giles. What's up? Hi. How are you today? I'm doing great. Forgive me, Dr. B. Lewis Giles. I'm sorry. It's Louise. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, okay. Good. <laughs> Louis, Louis Giles. Yeah. Louis. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. There we go. Good to have you on the air with us this afternoon. And then Thank we you. have, yes, we have Damika Edwards Hart. What's up? Good afternoon. How are you today? I am fine. The weather is great. It's a little chilly, but the sun is shining. It's my kind of weather. If you, you can't see me on Facebook, but I got my signature turtleneck on. Weather like this makes it turtleneck season. So, again, glad to have both of you on the air with us. And um, I want to go back to you, Dr. Giles. Give me a brief overview of who you are and how did you get into this space of dealing with asthma care? Thanks. I'm a pediatric pulmonologist. I work at the University of Chicago. I'm predominantly in, in Comer's Children's Hospital. And I've been here in Chicago seven years now. As a pediatric pulmonologist, I've always taken care of children for my entire career who have asthma. But the disparities in the asthma that I saw on the south side was nothing I had ever seen before in my career and from where I had come from. So I've really dedicated my career here at the University of Chicago to children with asthma. 
great. And we're going to dive into that a little bit deeper because what the mm-hmm. statement you made is just it's an incredible statement that you had never seen anything like what you've seen here in Chicago on the south side. Mm-hmm. We have to go into that a little bit deeper. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Damika Edwards, give us a brief overview of who you are and how did you get into this space of dealing with asthma care? Okay, so I am the supervisor for the community health workers at um, University of Chicago as well as special programs. I've been with the university for a little over three years now, but I've been in the field of pediatric asthma as a community health worker for going on seven years. Um, I would have to agree with Dr. Giles. I am from the South Side, unlike she is, but I would have to agree in that, you know, being someone from the South Side with asthma, I did not realize the prevalence of asthma on the South Side. So I'm glad to be in this space, and this is a passion of mine. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, Let me emphasize that asthma in this area is something that the University of Chicago Medicine and Urban Health Health Initiatives is focused on uh, making an impact. And so the work that they're doing right now is remarkable. And again, they hope to try to make an impact over the coming years so that we can kind of control our reduced asthma on the south side of Chicago. And these two wonderful guests will discuss with us some of the outcomes uh, of their efforts uh, collectively, of course. And so let me go with the first question. I want to take this right to you, Dr. Giles, and that is, of course, defining to our audience what exactly is asthma. So thank you. That's a great question. Asthma is a chronic disease, which means that it occurs over a period of time, and it's a disease of the breathing tubes in the lungs. And the disease that we see with asthma involves two things. One is this, that there's inflammation inside those breathing tubes, And the inflammation leads to the cough that people will hear, the triggers that can make that inflammation worse. But that inflammation also makes the muscle cells inside the breathing tubes more twitchy or more reactive. So when those muscle cells get twitchy, they make the inside tubes even smaller, so it's harder to get air out And then that's when you might hear the wheeze and more coughing. So it's a disease of two things, but it can wax and wane. So people sit there and say, oh, yeah, one day it's fine and the other day it's not. But it's recurrent over time. And it usually responds to medicine that we can give to both take away that inflammation and to take away the um, twitchiness of the muscle cells in the the breathing tubes. Thank you. Uh, D'Amica, who gets asthma and why? So who gets asthma? Um, Yes. Anyone can get asthma. Um, it, uh, you know, I, I would like Dr. Giles to jump in, of course. But asthma can be hereditary, nothing that you can catch. So, and of course, Dr. Giles, like I said, I welcome you to assist with this. But it's not something that you can just get like a cold. Yeah, that's right. Most people are born, have it tends to run in families. So we know that there's a hereditary component to it. But you can also get asthma from exposures to other things as well. Let's be very fair. There's different types of asthma. Okay. The asthma that we tend to see in children tends to be associated with allergies. So you have a child who's got eczema when they're young and then they get allergies and, and then they have asthma. May or may not be associated with seasonal allergies. It may or may not be associated with food allergies as well. But there's other types. We have asthma that is not associated with any type of allergies. You can get asthma when you become very obese. You can get asthma later on in life. You can get asthma that's due to occupational exposure. And then you can have asthma that's associated with chronic lung disease like COPD 
or in the case of children, if they were born very premature and have damage to their lungs because of prematurity, they might end up with asthma later on in life. So, Dr. Giles, thank you for that. I keep hearing you mention children. So mm-hmm. you guys both focus mainly on the children or the adult aspect of asthma as well? Because I assume that I'm asking a question because I assume is that if a kid has asthma and it goes untreated, of course, that kid grows up to be an adult. And so that adult will then also have asthma. That's correct. Yeah. We talk about children. I'm a pediatrician by training. Sure. And so I take care of kids up into when they graduate from high school and maybe their first year of college. Then I transfer them on to my adult colleagues who then take it from there. So that's why we're predominantly focused on children. The other thing we know is that if you don't deal with disease adequately as a child, they might have worse disease as an adult. So our, our, because part of the problem is if you don't manage asthma well in children, when you get much older in life, you might have what we call severe asthma, and that severe asthma doesn't respond to medicines anymore. So you'll have worse lung function as you get older. So we're trying to prevent that. We want people to go into their adult years with normal lungs. And, of course, I asked that question because we, this is an adult radio station and we have adults listening, of course, who have children, and we definitely mm-hmm. want them to care for their children the best possible way by being educated to asthma. But also having these adults who are listeners, how difficult then if adults have asthma, who has asthma, and they have not had it treated? What is the severity of that? What can be the outcome of that if there are any major outcomes that can come from an adult who did not get asthma treated early on? Well, a part of it is is that severe lung disease, like I mentioned, where... Is it life-threatening? Oh, certainly. You can die from asthma. And unfortunately, in the state of Illinois, one person dies from asthma every other day on average. So this is a lethal disease if it's not treated properly. Okay. Thank you for that again. And D'Amico, where does your work come in at? What, at what point do you get involved as a community health worker? So what we do, um, our community health workers, we go into the home. So we bridge the gap from the, the patient seeing the physician in clinic. We kind of cover the time that they have after they see the physician. So what we do is provide asthma education to patients and their families to help identify some things that could be causing the children, not just children, but to, that could be causing the patients to have asthma symptoms. And we do that by way of educating in the home, so providing in-home education on self-medicating properly, understanding the difference in the controllers, you know, identifying triggers and remediation techniques, and also helping them understand why it's so important for them to have a primary care provider. And then in this case with our patients, you know, helping them understand why it's important to have a pulmonologist as well. So we also talk to, uh, we help the families establish like 504 plans inside of the schools and helping them with those meetings because sometimes, you know, there's there's language families don't always understand. So we're able to, I like to consider us bilingual. So we're able to understand the, the, the medical terms that the that the medical team is using and also relay that back to the patient and vice versa. Let me do this real quick. 773-591-1690. 773-591-1690. Anyone wants to call in and, and discuss or ask questions to these two incredible experts on the asthma. Let me go to this. I think, Dr. Giles, you mentioned that asthma can be hereditary. So have there 
been an example that you've come across where an entire family of, say, five, right, the the father or the mother, three or four children, have all contracted asthma? Have you seen cases like that since it is known to be hereditary where all the children in the, in the family have, have contracted asthma? Oh, definitely. I can think of a ton of families that I see on a, on a regular basis who we see all the children and, you know, the parents also have asthma. So that's not uncommon at all. In fact, when I'm taking a history, so trying to, trying to help the family, I always look for that history of asthma. And if there's no history of asthma and a child presents like that, I always have, have to ask myself, is this truly asthma or are we dealing with something different? So we see a lot of families with asthma. One more question to you on this subject, Dr. Charles. What is mm-hmm. the earliest you can, you can notice and then treat asthma in children? Oh, infancy. So a lot of people used to believe that you could not diagnose asthma in young children, but that's not true. In fact, I think we hurt people by saying that they can't be diagnosed with asthma so young. If the right symptoms are there and they've got a positive family history and all the rest of that, I think it's a fairly easy diagnosis to make. D'Amico, since you're out in the community, right, working with families, and how many other organizations that you uh, partner with out in the community that's with the University of Chicago in terms of this partnership? So there are a lot of organizations out uh, on the south side of Chicago. Yeah, so one of the great things that we do, aside from having partnerships, we do also, you know, before, you know, the pandemic, we were out in the community with uh, doing different health fairs. But our partners are Larbita, French Family Health Center, uh, St. Bernard, Beloved. And we are still in the process of establishing other relationships with other clinics on the South Side because we know that, you know, everyone can't be seen at, uh, you know, the University of Chicago. So one of the great things about what we do is we're trying to lock arms with other, you know, federally health qualified clinics in the South Side to make sure that we are touching as many people as we can. You mentioned other health clinics. What about just community organizations? Are you guys partners with community organizations as well? We partner with a few. Um, we, we also connect with some faith-based organizations as well. So yes, we absolutely try our best to touch as many community, you know, you know, our neighbors in the community as well. Okay, you said something, Damika, that I want to get to on the other side because we got to take a break right now. But when I come back, I want to uh, go into something that you mentioned in terms of, of the pandemic. How did you guys deal with contacting families and dealing with families during this pandemic and through the virtual process? So we'll come back to that. Uh, this is Carl West, Community Health Focus Hour, back in the flash. <laughs> What's up, what's up, Chicago? Carl West, back at your Community Health Focus Hour, brought to you by University of Chicago Medicine Urban Health Initiatives. Back here with two great guests, Dr. Giles and D'Amika Edward Hart. Uh, D'Amika, I was on the phone, I was on the line with you a few seconds ago before we went to a break, and you had mentioned that, of course, you know, there was some effects of the pandemic that caused for you guys to pivot and how you treated families at their homes. Now, how did the university and your work alter during the pandemic? And do you think it was, a, it was an effective transformation as well? Oh, again, what we do is we, we typically go into the home to do home visits. But one of the things about the pandemic is not a great thing, but the pandemic did not alter that in a way that we're now seeing our patients virtually. And so that that helps us to still connect with them. So we're still able to provide all of the education that we normally would provide to them. And so we're still able to provide that quality education to them. 
but you definitely couldn't go into the homes during this pandemic, of course not, right? Yes, that's correct. So we're no longer going into the homes. But I would say that, you know, it helps us in a way because we still get some families that were a little reluctant to allow us into their homes. Mm -hmm. Now what we're doing is just seeing them virtually and they're more comfortable that way. And also, I would assume that when you went into a home, you saw one family. Virtually, you can communicate with multiple families at one time, correct? That is correct. So on an average day, we can possibly see about three families. Sure. But during this virtual environment, we can see up to five. So that was some positives during this unfortunate virus that, you know, kind of roamed through our communities, uh, the country for that matter. So I guess we found some, like University of Chicago, and you, you guys found some, some light at the end of the tunnel in this thing, I assume. That's what you're saying. Yeah, right? we did. And we're also now, in addition to providing the asthma education, we can help families understand, you know, just a little bit about COVID and, you know, why it's such a terrible thing. And we are also helping them understand, like, signs and symptoms to look out for. So we're able to do that in addition to providing the asthma education. Wonderful. How great that is. Okay, Dr. Giles, tell me, tell the listeners, what is the Southside Pediatric Asthma Center? What exactly is that? So the Southside Pediatric Asthma Center, the SSTAC for short, is a center that we brought together to meet the needs of children initially, but also people with asthma on the Southside. There's lots of great programs out there. And there's lots of great programs to help people with asthma and drive better control for asthma in the community. But it just didn't seem to be penetrating in the south side. And that's what we elected to do. So with our partners, we started the center in 2017. And we've really focused on the community, on outreach and education, not only of families, but also of providers in the south side as well. Asthma care has changed over time. And it's changing actively as we speak now. The most recent changes have just come out within the last year. So we wanted to make sure that providers were up to date on current asthma management. So our focus has been on the community and on education. And that's located in the Comer's Children's Hospital, correct? Well, we don't have a, we, we're kind of powered by, child, by children's, but we view ourselves as being a virtual clinic or a virtual center because we don't believe that one institution should really. Our goal is some, at, at some point to be out there in the community. So we, the core of it is housed actually in the Urban Health Initiative, but we feel that we service all of the South Side. I want to give you two more questions real quick, uh, Dr. Jowdy. Sure. And the first one is, uh, what is the 504 plan? So the 504 plan is a plan that for families at school to allow a special consideration for children who've got chronic needs or other needs in the school system. So a lot of times for kids, that means allowing them to take medications at school and that kind of thing. Okay, thank you. And you mentioned in the top, on the top end of this conversation that Chicago, uh, the South Side is ravaged with asthma. And I think I said I'll come back and ask you, I mean, why is that? I mean, what makes the south side of Chicago such a high-volume area, a community that is, for asthma? That's a great question. There are so many, so many parts to that question. Part of it is <laughs> genetics. Yes. Part of it is genetics. Unfortunately, we believe that asthma is much more prevalent in those of African backgrounds. Part of it is and Hispanics as well. So Puerto Rican Hispanics actually have very high rates of asthma as well. But within the U.S. itself, not not particularly so much as high on the island. 
we also, it's also living conditions. You're growing up in an urban environment. You're not exposed to those quote unquote good dirt that you would see in a rural area. So a lot of it is, is that our immune system is not switched to be protective. It's switched to sort of fight ourselves, which is what asthma somewhat is in a very simplistic way. So you're not exposed to the right type of germs when you're very, very little. And part of it is pollution. You know that in the south side, we've got that wonderful expressway called the Dan Ryan. And I can tell you that there's a lot of pollution that comes off of that. And that can be damaging for your lungs as well. So it's very, and we also know that asthma is higher in communities that have violence. And we think that that, that's that overall stress reaction. So there's more violence is connected to asthma. Yeah, there's more data coming out with that, that violence is connected with asthma yes unfortunately i was gonna say we can unpack that some more at a later date because that's that's kind yeah. of interesting and shocking to me so we we've talked about some of the effects and we talked about who gets asthma and and how you try to treat it if possible uh, what is some of the treatments Demika? what are some of the treatments for asthma some of the treatments of asthma are they're, they're mainly inhaler medications. So there's two types of medications. You have a daily, you have an inhaler that's called a controller, and that's the medication that one will take every day as prescribed, and they will take it twice a day, rinsing their mouth out afterward. Now, everyone with asthma may not get a controller inhaler. However, everyone with asthma will get a rescue inhaler, and that's the inhaler that you use when you're having asthma symptoms. So coughing, wheezing, chest tightness, shortness of breath. There are also different medications that you'll see, like if if you have to go to the emergency room for asthma, they'll give you what's called a nebulizer treatment. That's still a form of a rescue medication. However, you know, we we prefer that when, when one is in the home that they use the inhaler medication over the nebulizer because you get more of the medication down into the lungs, into the airways where it should be versus the quick fix that they give you in the emergency room. And then there's also a, a shot that one can take if they're on the more severe side of asthma. And that's that's what they'll be given if their their symptoms are completely out of control. Okay. Seven seven three five nine one sixteen ninety. Seven seven three five nine one sixteen ninety. I have a few more great questions here. One of them again I'll stay with you, Demika. And maybe you can help. Maybe the doctor can help you on this if you're not um, too in tune with this. But can you treat asthma through surgery, any kind of sur- surgical surgical procedure? I can take that one, Demika. In There is a procedure called thermoplasty, bronchothermoplasty. It's where they put a, a camera called a bronchoscope into the airway, and they actually stop those muscle cells from working properly by basically burning them so that they can't react anymore. That's reserved for, there's really, we actually do that at the University of Chicago. It's with our interventional bronchoscopist. It's only for people who are over 18 years of age. And for some people, it works absolutely phenomenally well. But it's not a treatment that is for everybody, but certainly for some people who are so disabled because of their asthma, they can't even walk more than, you know, 10 steps or they can't walk more than a block without their asthma symptoms being severe. They might be candidates for that. Okay. Okay. Demika, what are some of the triggers 
for asthma and and do you identify these with uh, when you go into homes to help parents better prepare their homes to deal with their children who may have asthma? So some of the triggers could be dust, pets, the um, the pet dander that the, the pet gives off. It could be um, one of the biggest ones is smoking, and it doesn't matter the type of smoke. So some people say that, oh, vaping may be better or e-cigarettes. No, it's still a smoke, so that is, you know, that, that could be a trigger for one with asthma. What about cannabis? Fragrance. What about cannabis? Is that also? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yes, any type of smoke, we're completely against it. And, of course, we help to encourage our families, especially cigarettes. We try to help encourage them to quit smoking, um, and we have a bunch of resources that we can provide in, 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 with, in relation to helping with that. But for those of our family members who are not yet ready to quit, we just ask that they go outside wearing a smoker's jacket, and that's a jacket that they'll just put on while they're outside smoking. When they come back in, we ask that they put it, like, in a, in a bag, or, you know, like a closed container and wash their hands afterward. That way the child isn't coming in contact with the oh, third hand smoke. Sure, I got it, I got it. Okay, mm-hmm. that's, that's, thank you for that. And I'm going to stay with you again, Damika. Um, can children outgrow asthma? Can people outgrow mm-hmm. asthma? Is that a myth? It is absolutely a myth, and God, thank you so much for asking that. We we hear that all the time. We hear people, especially in the communities that we serve, you know, um, well, he'll outgrow it, or she'll outgrow it, or I had it when I was a kid and outgrow it, and that's not true. What happens is sometimes, you know, you can go long times without having symptoms. Let's take me, for example. So I have asthma. I've had it my whole entire life. However, I went years, Carl, without having symptoms. Got married, moved into a house that's near the Forest Preserve, and all of a, all of a sudden, I'm starting to have symptoms left and right. Well, come to find out, it's because of the area that I live in. There's a lot of trees around me and different things like that, so it caused me to have more symptoms. And then in addition to that, so I'm taking my, my rescue inhaler all the time. I ended up getting COVID back in March, and a, around October, I started having residual effects from that, where I I'm now taking a daily controller medication for my asthma. So you cannot outgrow it, but you can go long terms without having symptoms. You said something that prompted me to go with this question again with you, and that is symptoms. Are the symptoms, first of all, I want you to give us a few of your symptoms, one, and then two, are symptoms different from person to person, whether you're young or old? So first of all, get, what were some of your symptoms that you noticed? So my symptoms before I would wheeze a lot. So I would, I would have uh, bouts of difficulty breathing, but my main symptom was wheezing. So I know that if I started to wheezing, and that's when one would sound like, you know, like a whistle when they breathe in and out. But the overall symptoms are coughing, wheezing, chest tightness, or chest pain and shortness of breath. So no, the symptoms are may not be the same from person to person. However, it, that's why we help families under understand that they need their child to know their symptoms because they you know it's happening in their body so we want them to be able to identify when they need to self-medicate when they need to tell mommy or daddy hey i'm having symptoms my chest hurt or i've been coughing a lot or you know i feel wheezy so no they do they they're not the same for each person and they do vary Dr. J- Thank you for that. Dr. Giles, let's go into uh, where we at present day in terms of this pandemic. Is asthma on the list of one of those diseases uh, that a person has that can trigger COVID-19? 
So we do very much worry about people with asthma and COVID-19. We're not 100% sure whether you're more likely to get COVID-19 if you have asthma, but we do know that if you do get COVID-19, it can be far more serious, especially the older that you get. So we've been very lucky in children. Children who've gotten COVID-19 have done fairly well overall compared to the overall population. And that's across the board, whether a child has a chronic illness or not. But when, as you get older, certainly asthma is one of those chronic diseases that we worry about an awful lot as to how well they will do with COVID. So yes, it's one of those things that we do worry about. Okay, great. We got a phone call. Let me take this call. Miss Whitaker, I don't know if this is Dr. Whitaker or not, but is it just Miss Whitaker? Okay. Miss Whitaker, what's up? Carl West, Community Health Focus Hour. Yes, can you hear me okay? Yes. Yes, I just want to ask, where does your immune system play a part in, in all these asthma cases in the south side or wherever you live in a poor neighborhood? So where does your immune system, even when you're a baby, you're starting up and then you grow and grow and you get older and you still have allergies and asthma. So where does that immune system, and what is really the immune system? And Dr. Jow, did you hear the question? You could take this. Yes, I sure did. Okay. So there's a lot of little questions in that. So first of all, your immune system is, is very vast in our body. We have different aspects of it. But in general, our immune system is what protects us from outside interference. So think of it as the security system on your home or something like that. It's built there to try to prevent bad guys from getting into your body. And then if bad guys get into your body, it tries to fight it off. And so they get rid of the the bad germs, the bad cells that have formed. So you don't get cancer, you don't get this, you don't get that. So, but there's many aspects to that immune system. The immune system is vital. If you do not have an immune system, then you can't fight off any of this and you would die very young from a variety of different infections. And and people can be without an immune system because they were born that way, or you might lose aspects of your immune system later on in life if you acquire something like HIV AIDS is a perfect example of somebody whose immune system is not working properly. So with asthma and the immune system, of course that um, there's part of the immunity that is not working well. That would be the allergy part of it. What happens, it's not a lack of immunity in that area. It's sort of like you have a ramped up response to common protein. So let's pick on dust. Dust is actually, it's a dust mite allergy that people have. And the dust mites live in things like our bedding and pillows and mattresses and things like that. And if you you have an overreaction, then you will have an allergy, which in that case might be sneezing, runny eyes, runny nose, things like that. And certainly when you have that, it can, asthma, for some people with asthma, and and actually the majority of children with asthma, they have that very high immune response to common things. So trees, grass, dust, you know, dander on dogs and cats, et cetera. And so that takes over. It is very important to have a very healthy immune system. Do things like Are there things in the south side that impact our immune system? Of course. If you're living in poverty, that's very stressful. We know that stress can impact your immune system. If you do not have a healthy diet, that can impact. And so a a lot of our community members, I live in the south side myself, 
a lot of our community are living in food deserts and they don't have access to good food. The violence that we experience in our communities can certainly increase that stress and that can affect our immune system. So one of the ways that we can help help our immune system is to try to eat as healthy as we can, to get some regular exercise and to try to de-stress somehow. But that's very easy to say and incredibly hard to do for all of us. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Jowes, thank you. I hope, uh, Ms. Whitaker, she hung up. I hope that answered her question. Look, we got Randy on the call, but I'm going to take a break first, and we'll come back to you, Randy, on the other side. This is Carl West, Community Health Focus Hour. What's up? What's up? Carl West back at you on the Community Health Focus Hour Brought to you by University of Chicago Medicine Urban Health Initiative. Look, this organization, this institution, rather, located on the south side of Chicago, is doing some incredible work out here. I must tell you, I mean, and this is just one piece of work that they're doing now and trying to be very impactful and trying to reduce the effects of asthma uh, on young people. Uh, so, of course, young people with asthma will not become older adults with asthma. So uh, the work they're doing with these two incredible guests, Dr. Giles and uh, D'Amica, they are uh, on the front line trying to uh, keep this, uh, I assume you can call it a disease, under wrap. Can you call it a disease, Dr. Giles? Yes, I sure do. Okay, okay. Yeah, it is a disease. Okay, great. We have a call on the line. Randy, what's up, Randy? Yes, uh, good afternoon hey, to you uh, as well as your guests. Uh, I appreciate the discussion Concerning against asthma, my daughter, when she was small, my daughter, who's now in her 20s, in her early 20s, she has two small children uh, right now, twin girls. She basically was diagnosed with asthma and stuff. And so a number of years ago, when she was probably less than 12, 13 years old, 12 years old, she uh, had RAS, a RAS test done to uh, find out what she was alerted to, you know, either pat dander or uh, dust mite, you know, just different things in the environment and stuff like that, too. And I concur with your guests when they mentioned about, you know, being the food desk and stuff, but I think it can be more specific. What specifically, and just these one, two, just two questions real quick. What can be done to address the issue of the, of the food desk and stuff like that? And what the you know, suggestion did, particularly, I mean, specific idea of talking about food, whether you take echinacea, vitamin C, whatever what type of foods you see, uh, vegetables or fruits or whatever, whole grains. Whatever. But uh, the other thing I want to ask you is about the holistic treatment modalities as it relates to the COVID-19, as you mentioned it earlier, by the COVID-19, have y'all looked at betadine, B-E-T-A-D-I-N-E, as well as the use of a spray called microband that you spray on surfaces stuff like that's supposed to kill the different viruses and bacteria and stuff like that associated with COVID-19, the coronavirus. Okay. okay, and I'll hang up and then wait for y'all to address those two issues. Thank you, Randy. That's a few things that we have to unpack here. Let me go with you first, D'Amica, in terms of the food desert question. I assume you understood what he was referring to with the food desert scenario? Yes. 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 So, yes, we do see um, we we we've known for a while that we on the south side, there is a food desert. Some parts of our communities are far distances from grocery stores and things like that. And then the grocery store, some of the grocery stores that we have, it's easier to get unhealthy food. And it's it's, you know, more cost effective than it is to get food that is more healthy for you. Right. So that creates another problem. But one of the things I highly encourage a lot of our 
participants that are in our programming anytime that asks this question is it's all about we have to voice what we need in our community and we do that by talking to our local politicians we do that by voting we have to make it known that we don't want to take this anymore that we want to fight against living in food deserts because there's no reason that people that don't have access to an automobile or they don't have the funds to take the bus or get an uber things like that they have to just suffer through what they have and you know that's why i'm so grateful that we offer our family resources and we've been providing more resources through the pandemic for our participants to try to combat that but i would say that the first start there is to talk to our our local and state our local politicians to address everything because you know it starts with them but they won't know until we start to voice it and i also wanted to address i heard him mention something about a spray that we could use on surface we have to be careful with that, especially with those that have asthma, because they contain heavy chemicals. And so we like to advise our families to use what's called a green cleaning kit. And that's more that's more things that are more healthy to the lungs and the airways. So vinegar and water, it holds the same substance as bleach and water, right? And it, it, it's also used to kill germs. So I just want us to be careful when we're using these cleaning products that have a lot of chemicals in it. Is that kit you mentioned is that a prescribed kit or you can buy it over the counter no so the green cleaning kit is just a term that we use oh, it's okay. just okay. vinegar and water oh, and, and okay. baking soda so y'all yeah, just I gave your own that. little y'all gave it your own little fancy name green cleaning yeah. kit <laughs> yes. let me write and that down <laughs> we we have a, a great deal of resources on our website that's Southside kidsasthma.org, and they can also go on the website and, and, and get different uh, tips as well for cleaning. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Giles, Randy mentioned a RAS kit. What is that? I'm not exactly sure because, uh, you know, curriculums are, are unique to different people. But sure. I think that when it comes to COVID and asthma, taking your asthma medication as prescribed is the most important thing you can do to prevent bad COVID from happening flat out. And, you know, TLC and chicken noodle soup and things like that work super for anybody who's got an illness. There's lots of things going on out there, but I would suggest people listening to Dr. Fauci, who is a doctor's hero right now, and certainly the CDC websites and the World Health Organization are the experts. And so we should be listening to them in terms of, of management and stuff. I wanted to point out what Demika said, though. We have lots of resources on our website, southsidekidsasthma.org, and they're free for anybody to use. We have lots of resources about what asthma is. We have lots of resources on how to manage asthma. Demika mentioned a lot about medications and things, but also the environment is very important and how to control your environment. And certainly education is, is paramount to managing your asthma well. There's videos on that site so that you can learn how to take your medication properly because we have all these inhalers, but if you don't take them properly, then the medicine won't go down into your lungs where we want it to go from that perspective. But we find that people who go through, and this is a pitch, if somebody has a child with asthma and you want better control of your asthma, please reach out to us because we're making, we are already making a difference. We already know that children who've gone through our program have much better control 
they have more days that they have their asthma control than they used to have, less emergency room visits, less days missed from school, less hospitalizations. We already know that since we've put our program in place, there are less ambulance dispatches to the CPS schools in the south side than before due to asthma. It's down almost 50% or more. And so we're, we know that, that kids who go through our program do very, very, very well. But we know that there's lots more children out there who need, to, who need our program. So, Dr. Giles, you're still in my thunder here. You, you, I'm so no, sorry. My, no, 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 Mike, because that was my next question was to identify the impacts that your organizations, that you're making with the, with the work you're doing. And I was going to get that from you as well as D'Amica. But hold one second. Here's what I want to do, because I was very interested in what Randy had to say. Randy is always listening, mm-hmm. I'm sure. And you, the rest, okay, the now I know what he's talking about. Oh. The rest. So the rest is, uh, is um, blood work Thank that you. can be done to see whether you have an allergy or not. I'm sorry, I misinterpret, misinterpreted what he said. It's a blood test where you do allergy testing. So you draw some blood and you and it goes to a lab and they test it to see what you may or may not be allergic to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Giles. 773 773-591-1690. 773-591-1690. Uh, here we go. We're closing in on a final uh, few minutes here. And I wanted to go to D'Amico real quick. D'Amico, and, and with, it's a question for you, two things. Give us uh, information, how somebody can get in contact with you, website, phone number, and tell us the impact that you are making in your role as a community health worker, please. Okay, so the impact that we're making is, as Dr. Giles mentioned, we are making a great impact. We see a great reduction in hospitalization. You know, we, we were able to connect our families to the, their health care providers. We are educating our families to not go to the emergency room as often because they're able to self-medicate more. So we, we have a great impact. We, we help our families understand how and when to medicate. We highly encourage exercise because even though so, you know, your child has asthma. Asthma does not have your child. So that means that we want them to live life without boundaries. We want them to be able to be as we want them to be as active as any other kids. So and in addition to that, exercise also helps strengthen the lungs. Right. And so I, and another thing I wanted to point out really quickly, Please. our website, yes, it is tailored to, you know, we, we mentioned a lot that we service children. Yes, we do. However, we as community health workers, we provide education to the whole family. So we don't just go into the homes and not address grandma and she's sitting, she's sitting on the side coughing. No, the information that we have on the website, they may, there may be pictures of children. However, we, the adults can benefit from that as well. I've pointed a lot of my adult friends and people that I know to the website as well so that they can get information. That is great to know. Great to know. it's southsidekidsasthma.org. That is great to know. Thank you. And back to you, Dr. Charles. You can continue with Killing My Thunder, but uh, identify <laughs> identify a few more impacts, of course, and then give us contact information to reach you, please. So the impact that we've made, we've educated over 100 providers, so that would be family physicians and, and first-line providers on updated asthma management, which has been set, which has been fabulous. So we think that there's children out there who are getting better control of their asthma. We host an annual summit for our community. Sure. So we're educating people in our community, and that's, that's attended by a lot of community leaders, faith-based leaders, et cetera. We are starting up where we're going to actually do asthma screening in the community. We had a small one 
just before the pandemic hit. But once the pandemic, once we get relaxation, we'll be starting that up again. Okay, give us your, give us your information, please. Website again. Oh, okay. Yeah, the website is southsidekidsasthma.org, and that's how you can get a hold of us. Okay, great. Look, I want to thank both of these wonderful guests. I want to thank the callers. Uh, I want to go one more thing real quick. Demika, what is the green cleaning kit? What is it? Vinegar and what? It's vinegar, baking soda, and, and just water. So That's you can it. use that as, yep, as an all-purpose cleaner. You can use it to clean all of your surfaces, your toilets, and baking everything. Baking soda, vinegar, and water. Got it. Got yep. it. Look, mm-hmm. uh, again, I want to thank the guests for, for tuning in, being a part of this wonderful show, informative show, and the guests as well. Uh, thanks for listening. I want to thank our executive producer, Susan Peters, Titus Williams, who was our technical uh, and our technical producer streaming on Facebook Live and you, the listeners. Next week, join me as we talk about food insecurities. Hunger is real in Illinois. I believe that the South Side of Chicago, with all of our illnesses that we identified today and are, should be a disaster area that requires billions of dollars in funding to rebuild the South Side of Chicago. Look, I'm Carl West. Thanks for joining me on the Community Health Focus Hour, brought to you by the University of Chicago Medicine Urban Health Initiatives. See you next week. Have a great weekend, Carl West, and a good weekday, actually. Peace and one love. I'm out of here. The Community Health Focus Hour is brought to you by the Urban Health Initiative of the University of Chicago Medicine.